Musician Dave Grohl has a new memoir out this week. Robin Young recently spoke with him about it. I say Dave Grohl, you probably say Nirvana, whose album Nevermind was released 30 years ago last month. Listen as Dave's chunka chunka drum lick announces Smells Like Teen Spirit as the anthem of a generation. You might also say Foo Fighters, the band Dave created after Kurt Cobain's heartbreaking suicide in 1994. But are you also saying famously personable, as The Guardian put it, a regular at the White House on SNL? He writes about all of it in his new memoir, The Storyteller. Dave Grohl, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and you know, I have to say at the outset, I'm hoping you don't mind that I mention Nirvana first, because you write, you know, you'll always be known as that guy from Nirvana. Yeah, you know, I joined the band in 1990, and it was really only about three and a half, four years, but it it really did feel like a lifetime. I'll forever be honored to have been a part. Well, we're going to talk more about it, but you know, you were only 25 when it was over. So how did you get there? A skinny kid from Virginia, a mama's boy from a broken home, divorce, who practiced drums on his pillows, holding the sticks backwards. Have I about got that right? That's pretty much it. My mother was a public school teacher. My father actually worked on Capitol Hill as a speechwriter. My dad was a classically trained flautist, and my mother sang in a cappella groups in the 50s. And there was an old guitar in the corner, which eventually I just picked up and started playing along. And I realized I could learn songs by ear. And it wasn't just a hobby. It was more of an obsession. And I still feel that way. To this day, I I wake up every day feeling just like I did when I was 10 years old. Well, you decide to drop out of high school. And your mom, you know, supports you with some trepidation. Your dad, who you describe as a staunch Republican speechwriter, tells you you're never going to go anywhere. But you join the band Scream. You go on tour. You know, the whole deal. Traveling cross-country. You're in heaven. And I'm really synopsizing here. I'm really jumping ahead in the story. But on the West Coast, someone says, hey, have you heard of Nirvana? Um, They'd already had their debut album, Bleach, and they needed a drummer. And you meet Kurt Cobain. What was your first impression of him? Um, I remember uh, being picked up at the airport by Kurt and Chris, and I had never met them before. And um, someone had an apple. And I remember taking a bite of the apple, and I looked at Kurt and I said, hey, do you want a bite? And he said, uh, no, thanks. Those things make my teeth bleed. (laughs) (laughs) And to me, uh, I mean, that was basically our introduction. Um, You know, I was, I was a terrible student and my mother was a, was a teacher at the high school that I, that I went to. And dropped out of. (laughs) Yes. And, but I think the thing was, she realized that I was probably better off out in the world experiencing it and learning that way. So when I said, I'd like to go, she said, well, you better be good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I held down jobs at the furniture warehouse or the record store or the pizza place, things like that. Those long tours in the van with my friends, we struggled. And when I joined Nirvana, I don't think anybody knew what was going to happen next. And that was what I loved about life. But it sounds like you did start to know when you first heard Smells Like Teen Spirit. Smells Like Teen Spirit. I always say that my conductor 
in Nirvana was Kurt's Converse sneaker because I would see it creeping towards the distortion pedal. And like we're in a verse and it's sort of a tight lower dynamic. And then you feel the, the verse getting bigger and bigger and we're about to hit that big chorus. And I'd see his Converse Chuck right above the distortion pedal and I'd do a huge drum roll. And then we both kick in right as the chorus kicked in. It was a cool song, but I don't think at the time we thought that was the song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we know, you know, what happens next. You become, it's the biggest band in the world. And as you write, you knew that Kurt Cobain, you know, had a drug issue. He was in a rehab. You didn't know many people had done that. So for you, it was like, oh, it's like taking out his appendix. It'll be fine. Um, But then... You begin the chapter on Kurt's suicide with just the saddest words. He's gone, Dave. Yeah, that was the most difficult piece to write because I was afraid to write it. When Kurt died, our worlds were completely turned upside down. And I didn't want to play music. I I put all my instruments away. I couldn't even listen to the radio. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to, how to feel or what to feel, and um, it was, it was really, really hard. And so, at one point, I went to one of my favorite places in the world, the Ring of Kerry in Ireland. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to go drive around there by myself and figure stuff out. And one day, I was driving down this country road, and I saw a hitchhiker in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And as I got closer. I realized that he was wearing a Kurt Cobain t-shirt and it was that moment that I, I decided, okay, I'm going to start over. And that's when I started the Foo Fighters. Not just a Kurt Cobain t-shirt, Kurt Cobain's face filling the t-shirt, staring at you. Um, You know, this brings us to, it seems like the realization that you had that you were, while you were attracted to this darker side of music, this punk, you know, heavy metal, that's not who you were. And you recognize that there are some people who might be attracted to that dark side of music, but you had to be careful that you didn't get somehow sucked into it. Yeah. When I was a kid, my mother and I would drive around listening to 70s AM radio and we'd sing along together. I I loved music because it healed my soul and it gave me joy and escape you know, I, I've always understood the darker side of music and artists, but I've just never been that way. I, I feel like when a musician picks up an instrument, their signature sound should be determined by who they are. Your personality should come through your instrument. Mine has always come out this way, that yeah. I just love life. You know, I'm I'm the earnest, sort of eager rock and roll dude who like is annoyingly happy and i've taken the danger out of rock and roll but there's a part of me that's like do you want me to put it back in Mm. because i've seen what it'll do well well you did get back to music tom petty asked you to play with the heartbreakers asked you to join the heartbreakers you didn't obviously but how did he help you get back i i've been in bands since i was 12 years old 
And after Nirvana, I couldn't imagine doing it again, but they made me feel like it was okay. It was almost enough for me to, uh, to move on. I, I didn't necessarily want to go straight back to the drum set because it would just remind me of the band that I just lost. So that's why I thought, okay, I'm going to try to play guitar. I'm going to try to sing. I'm going to try to write songs and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, you do. You return home to Virginia where you build a recording studio, build the band, the Foo Fighters, get married, create three little rockers who will expand your heart. You take them on the road, win best rock album, get invited to the White House. I'm looking at a picture of you in a very small setting playing before a little audience that includes Paul McCartney and President Barack Obama. Um, And you ask yourself, how on earth did I get here? Oh, I still ask myself that every day. Honestly, you know, as a kid... We didn't have much, but we were happy. Through life, I've just tried to appreciate the things that maybe others can't. You know, I wake up every day thinking, okay, I'm happy to be alive. Even if it's a bad day, I'm going to try to rise above it and um, make some music. Are you sure you're a punk rocker? <laughs> I Listen, <laughs> when I was young, my favorite television show was Saturday Night Live this one show, I turned it on and I saw the B-52s. I thought, oh my God, it's so eccentric and it's so weird. And I felt eccentric and I felt weird. Wow, I'm not like anyone else. I think I might be weird and I'm into it and it was empowering. So like, am I a nihilistic punk rock person? No, definitely not. But do I appreciate that feeling and the empowerment of being different? I love it. I mean, do you feel Kurt Cobain's presence now? It's been decades. Yeah, I mean, everywhere I look, there are reminders. You know, some of them make me sad, and some of them I just have to smile. You don't have to go too far to hear a Nirvana song. I used to turn them off when they came on, (laughs) and now I turn them up because I I remember that day. It's, It's almost like looking at an old photo album. It always takes you back to that moment. I don't. I mean, what do what do I know? What do any of us know? But it just feels like somewhere he may be smiling, watching you seize life when he just couldn't. I don't know. I feel like he might enjoy your ride. He's always smiling in my dreams, so I take that as a good sign. Yeah. Oh. Dave Grohl, thank you so much. All right. We'll see you around. Okay. Bye bye. His new memoir is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music, our extended conversation at hereandnow.org.